Government organizations are here to help. How do we know this? They have names that say so. This bit of irony is brought to you by thisiscommonsense.com. This is This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. Paul Jacob has been writing commentary on thisiscommonsense.com since 1999. Here's Paul. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny that this uh, consumer, you know, financial protection bureau, uh, you know, all the names and all of these agencies and the bills, uh, where it's the, you know, make America perfect and, and uh, so on, you know, as, as the, the act, the Make America Perfect Act, which uh, no one's yet quite introduced, but now that I've said it, they probably will. But it, it's almost as if we're supposed to believe that if we just name it the right thing and pass a bunch of gobbledygook, you know, that if we do something wrong, the courts will sort it out, we being Congress that passes these things, or they'll write new regulations. And this is modern American government is the process of the legislative branch, which is the branch that is designed to be closest to the people, regularly exporting all of their power to the executive branch, to the courts, passing feel-good legislation, sound-good legislation, saying they care about everything, every problem under the sun we're going to fix, we care about, government's here to help, and then in essence, it, it gets passed, it is vague, it uh, uh, gives all kinds of powers to the bureaucracy to then fill in that vagueness, and then the courts sort it out as it begins to pinch uh, people like you and me. And, and that is exactly what's happened with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It was set up to be somehow independent, so it could even police better. But at a certain point, Police who can police more independently without any checks and balances, without any accountability, become tyrants. And of course, this is Elizabeth Warren's brainchild. She came up with this as a way to solve all the problems in the financial uh, uh, area of our economy and uh, make sure that greed didn't you know, ruin everything. And I think anybody who has seriously looked at this uh, doesn't think there's any real difference between the risk we have today and the risk that we had before the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Um, And instead, what we have is an agency that's out of control, like so much of the federal government. You know, our whole government is built on the idea that there have to be checks and balances that you have to guard against ambition by, you know, having other people who can weigh in. And, uh, and that's why we have three branches. And it seems like that idea of limiting government and controlling government and having checks and balances has been lost in this idea that government's good for us and government can solve all our problems. And we can just write legislation that says everything's going to be wonderful and some government person will be in charge of it and they'll make it happen. And not only is that a ridiculous canard, it is also dangerous, 
very dangerous because the impulse is to give this government agency or czar or what have you. I mean, heaven forbid that in America we're going to borrow Russian, you know, dictator type language, czar, but we have. Anyway, we're going to have a czar, we're going to have an agency that we want to give more and more power because we've given them a bunch of power and they can't solve our problems. So it must be that they need more. And that's where we end up again and again and again. It is, uh, it, it creates this idea that we can do anything. And if we didn't get it done, it's only because we didn't have more power and control of other people's lives. And it has led to a thing. I, I had mentioned how, you know, we forget about the debt. Um, and, and, you know, just, we can spend any money we want to spend. It doesn't matter on the right. You don't hear as much about it on the left. Now you have this completely insane idea of modern monetary theory, which basically stipulates that government can print money and spend as much as they want. And it's no big deal. And can you imagine that to, to fund the Green New Deal or to fund whatever new World War II Marshall Plan type idea these folks have, they're just going to print up the money and, and spend it, trillions, as if it will have no impact. And it's simply a, a, a question of time. It may not, you know, uh, the debt we've run up and continue to run up may not bite us for years, for decades. But sooner or later, that debt has to be paid. And you can spend money and print up money and debase your currency, but if you think that never has any impact, you need to, you need to, you know, Google Weimar Republic in Germany, monetary policy, and, and see what happened. Or, 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 you know, relocate to Venezuela right now would be a good time and ask them how, how the money supply is working, whether the government is just printing up money and that's, that's working out for them. It's not working out. Uh, it's just disastrous. And when I hear people who don't believe in any limits to what government can do after a century in which we fought wars that killed over a hundred million people after the Holocaust, after Pol Pot, after all these schemes that have starved and beaten and imprisoned people all over the world, it's not, true. It's not fair to say government anywhere is gonna do these horrible things, but it is only sane to say that government anywhere could do these horrible things if we're not paying attention. And if we're not only, you know, it, it, it's one thing to pay attention. You also have to have some levers, some ways, some democratic checks and balances. The election process is a nice thing, uh, but also initiative and referendum and, and the ability to organize politically. That's why something that, you know, most of the major media didn't seem to think was much of a big deal when the Tea Party uh, groups couldn't form because the IRS basically wouldn't give them uh, their status as organizations that are nonprofit. Uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that to me reminds me of the blogger who's arrested and imprisoned in Egypt or the, the types of things that are going to happen in the Soviet Union if you decide you want to run against Putin. 
these are these are serious things and it's not as if you know that's a case in which it was the obama uh, irs i don't think obama picked up the phone and said hey screw over tea party groups i think you had apparatchiks in the government who took that upon themselves and again it's not about boy the democrats always do this but the republicans are perfect or the republicans always do that but the democrats are perfect this is the nature of people and power we've seen it a zillion zillion times throughout all of history don't give government <clears throat> power that's not accountable back to the people on tuesday i had a somewhat lighthearted uh kind of poking fun at at what was happening in iraq and concerning iran and you know the the killing of the iranian commander and and all the all the stuff that hit the fan this week and but i just was so tickled by the idea <clears throat> that iran uh, that the iraqi parliament would get together and say it's time for the americans to leave and of course please please don't throw us in that briar patch don't make us leave your beautiful country do we really have to go back to the united states and hang out at the mall or the park come on so uh so you know i would have loved that to happen and of course if you read the headlines this week it did happen the iraqi parliament asked us to leave it's time for the americans to leave they passed a resolution and then i realized you know as much success or lack thereof this is with the complete lack of any success in training not only the afghan military but the iraqi military and nation building which is admittedly uh not easy stuff but the lack of success for that yet the nation builders can be proud that they have an iraqi parliament uh what is it the, the council of of representatives i think is the name of it uh which which basically looks so much like the u.s congress in that this resolution which showed that they're getting tough and they're saying look you guys get out of here was a non-binding resolution. Now, now, first, it has to be signed by the prime minister, and they don't have a prime minister because the prime minister just resigned and there isn't one. So it, it can't even be a full-fledged resolution. But then it, it also is non-binding. So it's not really saying, which they could say at any time, hey, it's time for, a, for the U.S. to leave. And I hope they will because I think it is time for the U.S. to leave. I think it's long past time for the U.S. to leave. Um, and, and people sometimes, they might say, well, wow, you're just gonna leave ISIS to, and of course now ISIS has largely been defeated, at least, uh, at least thrown to the, to the four corners of the Middle East. But, uh, but the reality is the United States was never necessary to defeat ISIS. It was never our fight. You've got a Shia government in Iraq, controlling a lot of Sunni territory in Iraq, and you've got the civil war in Syria, and a lot of Sunnis in Syria who don't really want to be part of an Alawite government in, out of Damascus. And so it wasn't hard for a Sunni uh, rebellion to form. Problem was that it was a pretty insane Sunni rebellion. <laughs> that kind of was a recurring theme with some of the rebellions in the Middle East, but hey, let's keep trying because 
the governments that they're working with are dictatorial and horrible. And so, you know, a, a, re a revolution in the Middle East, you almost don't have to ask, you know, where it's got to be a good thing. Um, and then you realize that the, the maxim, uh, uh, it can always get worse is true. And maybe it's not a good thing. But, but anyway, these, these governments throughout the Middle East need to fall. They just need to fall to the to people who will build something better. Uh, but anyway, the the idea that they would do this big dog and pony show to, in essence, look like they were being tough with the Americans at the same time that they don't want the Americans to leave. Um, and 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 of course, some Shiite legislators probably do want the U.S. to leave, but others don't. And of course, it's all in their self-interest. They might, the U.S. helps some groups more than others. Uh, if you're more aligned with Iran, you probably want them to leave. But the, the protesters in, in Iraq have been very clear for weeks uh, before kind of the fight between Iran and, and the U.S. took off that they wanted both Iran out and the U.S. There's a lot of people in Iraq who do not like what are Iranian-backed Shia militias, and and you know, so the but the bottom line to all this is that's that can be sorted out with us in the middle of it, or that can be sorted out without us in the middle of it. And frankly, not only do I not want to be in the middle of it because I really like Americans, you know, even even soldiers I don't know, I still don't want them to be in some mess like that and get killed or or maimed or hurt in any way, or we cannot be in the middle of it and what's gonna happen? Well, there's some argument to say, you know, it's not, good things aren't happening now. Uh, so what bar are you gonna hold any sort of change policy to? But the reality is, had we not gone in and gotten ISIS, in time, I think Sunni countries like Turkey or, or uh, Saudi Arabia, others, could come and and do something and wouldn't that be better that it didn't depend on this foreign power and even though they are foreign powers they're at least in the neighborhood and that it's it's muslim uh controlled country versus muslim you know lunatics as, as far as isis isn't that better than than the mostly christian at least in the view of the middle east a christian country the united states getting in the middle of it and it strikes me that if the goal is a Middle East that's more peaceful, we should have backed off. If the goal was to be there so that we would have more say-so in, in how oil is determined, in other financial arrangements that might take place with those governments, well then, yeah, we need to be there. So if you are making a ton of money, any of you out there listening to me, if you are making a fortune, in selling stuff in the Middle East, if you have interest in all that oil in such a way that, that you think it might be worth someone's life, then I understand why you are joining a special brigade to go invade the Middle East. And I, well, I don't know if I wish you well, but, but uh, I'm glad that you're going and you're not expecting U.S. soldiers to do your dirty work for you. So that's the, uh, uh, the, the, the most interesting thing, though, 
um, Tim. And you know, we do these videos, and and uh, I'm I'm talking to you as uh, you know, and, and you've edited these pieces, and we've worked on them somewhat together. And so I think sometimes people out there in uh, in YouTube land or wherever uh, are wondering who the hell is this guy talking to, because um, you don't show up very often. But uh, but anyway, as you know. Later in the week, all of a sudden, the United States Congress is going, and they're going to pass a war powers resolution that will hem in the president. And of course, uh, my favorite people in Congress, Mike Lee from Utah, Rand Paul from Texas, uh, both very libertarian, especially Rand Paul. Isn't he Tennessee? Uh, oh, what am I saying? His, his dad's from Texas. He's from Kentucky. Kentucky, Kentucky. okay. Those are all two states that just one state, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But anyway, I agree with them. I agree with uh, my Senator Tim Kaine here in Virginia, who's a Democrat. Uh, I don't agree with him on much, but I agree with him on Congress playing a bigger role in controlling, again, checks and balances. Um, I, I noticed that, and I'm, I'm going to forget, I think it's Matt Gates is his, his name, uh, uh, and I may have butchered it from Florida, another rep who's been very, uh, very much defending Trump in what he did in this case uh, uh, in in Iraq and Iran, and and generally very uh, much defending Trump, but who voted with the Democrats on this measure. Interesting thing is there were a number of Republicans, six I think it was, who voted with uh, maybe it was four who voted with the Democrats on the War Powers Resolution. There were eight Democrats who voted with Republicans who largely voted against it. But my problem with it wasn't Congress trying to assert its authority. And of course, Congress could assert its authority in ways that are very detrimental. So I don't want to say, gee, anytime Congress is asserting its authority against the president, uh, that they're, they're making the right call. But we have a system. And if we're going to have a republic instead of an empire, which is, I think, an open question these days, if we're going to have a republic, the Constitution, the law of that republic, is that the Congress is the ultimate authority on whether we're going to war or not. And one man cannot take us to a war that the people of the United States do not want. And the reason that that one man can't is because Congress are representatives. I know, I know I'm talking theoretically here and not maybe reality based, but they're supposed to be our representatives and they're supposed to say no. So I want that check and balance so desperately. I think we're extended all over the world in a very foolish and dangerous and costly way. And, and so I, I want to stop that at the same time. I don't want to say the word because my mom always told me not to say those words, but this is BS. This is Congress doing a resolution they know has no force. If both houses of Congress, and of course the Senate's probably not going to go along with it anyway, but if both houses of Congress pass this thing, it has no effect. It has absolutely no effect. And I listened on the radio stuck in traffic the other day. Uh, on a C-SPAN radio station to Nancy Pelosi explaining how they passed this resolution as part of the War Powers Act, which allows Congress to pass resolutions like this. Well, you know, the War Powers Act 
also has no prohibition against you jumping in the lake. But to argue that jumping in the lake is somehow part of this official process of the War Powers Act, the reality is she was doing something completely feckless, completely a PR stunt that had no impact. Had she wanted it to be real, she could have pushed for real legislation. Now, the problem is Trump would have vetoed it. Well, make him veto it. We got an election in November, um, and, and maybe it's a losing issue. Back off if you think it's a losing issue. But, but if, if you care about the country like you say you do, then you would push it and you would make him use his power to block you. And then you would point to good people all across the country and say, see, this is where I am. And this is where the Democrats are. We, we want something different. He's not allowing us to check him. That's why you have to give us a bigger majority in the legislature. That's why we need to elect somebody else to be president. And then let the people decide. So it's, they were doing exactly what the Iraqi legislature was doing, a completely uh, impotent political move designed only to get a little story in the paper and to pretend to your electorate that you were doing something that you were not. And that's, boy, that's way too much of our politics and politics everywhere, frankly, and why people hate politics. On Wednesday, we talked about um, speaking of insane politics, uh, I think one of the most frightening aspects of our current situation politically is that the insanity has escaped beyond the bounds of policymakers and experts and politicians and is now much more all over academia, all over other parts of our lives like social media and so on. And this new idea, which smacks right into the First Amendment, the First Amendment says it is critical that people be able to say what they think and express themselves. How you can look at the history of the world and not understand how absolutely essential that is, is beyond me. But we live in a day and time in which somehow we think we need to set up some sort of commissions and juntas to decide, you know, who can speak out and, and you're going to be fired or ostracized or canceled if you don't say things the way that we want you to say them. And, uh, and we talked about the, uh, the case of, uh, of Catherine West Lowry, who is a, was a professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and she had shown one of these Hitler uh, Hitler going crazy uh, rants uh, from the movie Downfall which is a, a great film a German film and uh, uh, but about Hitler and you've seen these everybody's seen these dozens of times I, it seems like I've seen them more times than I really want to see them anymore but it's kind of funny because you've got Hitler in German, you know, saying all these things and going, you know, just on an incredible rant. And of course, then yeah, they always put different words in there. And she did that, or she didn't do it. This was actually a student's video that had been produced for the class. Uh, it was an economics uh, class or accounting. 
and uh, and and so she showed that student's video as an idea of some of the different videos that have been shown. And apparently there were complaints because the administration said we've received complaints and ended up letting this woman go. Now, one, it's really, really hard to imagine how anybody would complain. I mean, it, it, the world is full of so many things that need to be changed that if this is what you're focused on, you've got a real problem. So it's just hard to believe that anyone could complain about it. But another reason it's hard to believe that anyone could complain about it is that we've had past, past cases. Uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, who, you know, had, had a woman had shown a Jordan Peterson video in a, at a university in Canada. Uh, the name escapes me at the moment, but, uh, and she had gotten in all kinds of, of trouble because there were complaints about that video that she had shown. And the administration, boy, they were gonna do something about that after all these people had complained. Except it turned out there weren't any complaints. There weren't any people out there who complained. There weren't any people in her classroom who said, I'm not gonna sit for this, I'm complaining to the administration the hit on her came from the administration who lied about receiving complaints. And I just asked, you know, is this another case of that? I'd sure like to see the complaints and see some real documentation that there were any complaints, because I think increasingly that's being used as a foil for a bunch of cultural revolution lunatics to control what everyone says, anyone on their campus. And, uh, and that is, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing that I think for most of us, we're not on college campuses. I'm sure there are campuses where this is not as much of a problem as other campuses. Um, but it's seeping outside of the campus and more and more in our political discussions what people can say, who can say it. Um, campaign finance is a, is a way to try to out people and force people who are talking about issues, even when it has nothing to do with candidates running for office, to have to disclose. So maybe then they can be you know, attacked in different ways. Um, this is the wrong direction. And, uh, and we talk about it quite a bit because um, you know, this, we lose the fight over free speech. Um, that's the whole war. That's the whole war. You know, I have a theory about uh, why this is happening. I have a lot of theories. I mean, I don't want to say I just have one. That would be, that would be uh, Liar. unjust to me. Yeah, unjust <laughs> to me. <laughs> but one of those theories is that the reason they have to attack, let's say, a downfall video this is this is a Hitler video, right? I mean, this is a making right. fun of. It's partly making fun of Hitler, but it's also doing a, a, whatever the parody or satire is. It's making fun of the subject in, in a humorous way. But the reason they have to do it, I think, is because they don't have a good argument against Hitler. The, one of the reasons they uh, have these weird ideas about free speech is they don't have a good idea for free. Why do we have free speech? They don't have good arguments, so they come up with hysterical overreach. Yes, it's it's almost like they. They want you to know that you're supposed to hate Hitler 
but they're too afraid to explain <clears throat> why Hitler was a bad guy as if you might not get it. Um, but of course, we discussed this some this week when, when we were working on this commentary. And I think it's not that they don't, you know, that they don't know why Hitler is bad. I think they recognize there are similarities between what they are proposing and Hitler. He was a national socialist. It doesn't mean that everyone who is a socialist is a Nazi and a murderer of mass proportions. That's not, that's not the argument I'm making. But I am making the argument that there are similarities between their idea of how government should function, the level of power that government have, have, should have, the way the economy should be structured, uh, the importance of unions and whether unions should be free unions or government controlled unions. There's all kinds of similarities between socialism uh, and, and national socialism. Uh, surprise, surprise. You'd think the words might, might, might cause people to see some of that. But I think that's the problem. It's not, you're never gonna hear a socialist call what Hitler was proposing national socialism. It's Nazism. And those are supposed to be mirror opposites. And of course, they're not mirror opposites. They're on the same end of the spectrum, which is government as totalitarian as could be conceived at the time. It, it is a, a situation where, and I see this in other parts of, of news media, that oftentimes we are not told the facts and asked to make a decision on them and judge them we are told the conclusion that we should come to, and then we are given facts that support that conclusion. And that's, it seems to me that, that the media has become completely narrative driven. And of course you could, you know, any liberal can see that narrative driven media by, by turning on Fox, but somehow they can't see it when they turn on MSNBC or CNN, or NBC, or ABC, or read the Washington Post or the New York Times. I see it. I see it on both ways, uh, but, but they don't see it. And, um, and, and I, think, I think that's part of what the socialists are doing here is we just, you know, Hitler needs to be obliterated from history as opposed to properly understood, because obliterating from history does not help us. Uh, stop the next Hitler. And, and, you know, there's a lot of never again, but it's happened again and again and again. I mean, let, let's, let's be real. We're going to have more dictators come up in different countries and do terrible things. And we've got to find a way to stop them. And we're going to have countries that are not dictatorships, where people who have power that's not checked at that time do terrible things. I mean, it seems to me that the beauty of our founders a long time ago was to realize how corrupt power becomes and to also realize that you're not going to change human nature to solve that problem. You're going to have to structure government in a way in which the excesses check each other and in which people who don't have a vested interest in the bridge project over this river or that land way out in Alaska or what have you are able to check those people who are in power and who are fighting to get this goodie or that goodie.
So we also uh, were able to have a little fun this week, illuminating, uh, kind of uh, uh, amplifying uh, Ricky Gervais, who, who did the uh, Glo Golden Globes, and who said, I think, opening it up, what everyone would like to say if they can't help themselves and are going to watch one of these uh, award shows, and that is, come on already, no one wants to hear your political statement. You have no more, you know, cachet when it comes to politics than any other person watching enough already. And of course, it didn't stop anything. Uh, Michelle Phillips uh, was, or Michelle Williams was, uh, you know, talked on and on about abortion, uh, but this has become kind of standard practice. And it, it, it strikes me as so funny because, of course, I grew up in a time in which there were three television stations. Uh, almost everybody was watching the same thing. You, <clears throat> you didn't want to do things that were going to irk large segments of your audience because it wasn't the sort of thing where the audience is split 7,000 different ways. And so if you can grab, you know, 10% uh, of the audience, wow, you have it made, you were trying to grab 51% of the audience or 43 or whatever it was with, with three different stations. Um, and now we really, it's just, it just is constant that, um, you know, there's just shows, I think a lot of people don't want to watch because it's constant bickering and in all one way. I mean, I think there's uh, you know, I watched the, the daily show uh, back when John Stewart was doing it. Um, there was a lot of stuff I laughed at and, uh, and John Stewart and, and I don't agree on a whole lot in politics. We agree on some, but I mean, it, I didn't have to agree politically with every joke he told to find a lot of it funny. I mean, I can laugh at jokes about libertarians. We do some funny things. Um, and, and, but we really, you know, when I watched like a Samantha B, you know, which was about a two minute ordeal uh, before I flipped the, the channel. But I mean, this is just one-sided, completely vicious type, uh, uh, you know, humor, I guess, but it's all political. And you look at, I have for years been amazed and again, I'm a libertarian. Admittedly, I, I have voted Democratic, but not very often. I've voted for a few Democrats through the years, mostly Republicans, uh, oftentimes looking for an independent who maybe chained himself to the Capitol or something, you know, something that would tell me this guy wasn't going to destroy the country if he was elected. I say that about chaining himself to the Capitol because years ago, one of my first elections in Arkansas, uh, it was a Republican who I did not like at all running against Bill Clinton. And I told my brother, I, I can't vote for either one of these guys. And then there's this other guy, I don't know anything about him. And my brother said, I don't know anything about him either. But he chained himself to the Capitol one time. And I thought, well, that's good enough for me. I mean, uh, anyway. So, so uh, where are we headed with that? Yeah, I'm not sure because uh, Michelle Williams' speech was not exactly funny. <laughs> no. Well, no, hers, hers was a very serious plea for women to vote in 
their interest. But what she meant by that is to, for women to vote as if what women wanted was the only thing that you needed to be concerned about because that's how men have always voted. But of course, that's not how men have always voted. It's not how women vote either. We don't vote for our sex or our gender against the other gender. I mean, that's insane. I've got, I've got a wife and three daughters. Am I really interested in a world in which the people I love don't get anything they want? And, you know, that's not how the world works. This is, this is really, uh, it's pitiful. And it's been said more and more. There was, and I can't remember, we did a commentary about it. I don't know. Uh, I can't remember who said it, but uh, somebody, it may have been uh, Kamala Harris, if it wasn't, I apologize for bringing up her name, but who made the argument that, and was speaking to, to basically people of color, which is everyone, if you think about it, because peach and white and tan is a color too, but it, beside the point. But it was basically saying, vote for your race. Vote along racial lines. Vote for what you think will help your race the most. And of course, when you think about the issues in our world, it, most of them don't break down that way. Um, and and the whole idea that you would not, that, that somehow you have to vote according to some category, as if every person who's female thinks the same way, or every person who's white or black thinks the same way. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's pitiful stuff. And, and what's also, I think, somewhat wrong there is it, it has said to a lot of the country, these shows aren't for you. Hollywood isn't for you. Movies aren't for you. I know very few conservatives, especially religious conservatives, who don't like to see sex and vicious language and just talk about things that they view as immoral constantly. Um, I don't know how they go to the movies. I mean, I, there are very few movies that I want to go to a movie theater and sit down. The, the risk that they're going to say things or, or show things that are just that you see as just beyond the pale are, are very high. And yet, I think there's a large segment of the country who they see that it's no, that's what they wanted to see maybe, or certainly it's no big deal. And so you, you see what's happening, and, and that's been happening for years, that the media has been separated. And that in essence, there's not, I mean, you, if, if you're liberal and you want to listen to talk radio, it's not very easy. Because there's not many shows that are, that are playing to you. As, uh, as Laura Ingram once said, which isn't true, but what I thought was funny anyway, she said, the reason conservatives uh, tend to dominate talk radio is because people listen to it going to and from a job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's something. But anyway, uh, but, but that's the way Hollywood has been. And, uh, and it does create, you know, there are a bunch of different movies where the president you know, the, is doing something. Every president in any movie made in Hollywood is the same political position. He's liberal, wants to be more liberal, but doesn't understand that that's the way to go. He's worried politically that the country's not with him. And the theme is always be more liberal, a lot more liberal, and then the world will be a better place. And, and I use liberal meaning socialist for the most part.
and uh, and and so you know that the that sort of thing just says to I think a lot of people who are conservative, movies aren't for me. Um, I'm not going to be represented there. So it's not it's not too surprising that when they all get together, then it's kind of a uh, you know let's talk bad about the rest of the country that doesn't have the same views. I did a commentary on Friday anticipating the election Saturday, the 11th of January in Taiwan. And their president, uh, who is the first female president in the country, is running for re-election. Uh, she has been uh, very strong in wanting to let China know they are not buckling under for any one China, two systems, BS. They've seen what happened in Hong Kong, and they, they, they didn't even need to see it to know the intentions of uh, the CCP in China. And, um, and so this election is, it's interesting because she has come from being down. They've had some economic slowdowns and different things. They're under a lot of pressure economically from, from China. And uh, her support was really low. Uh, different polls showing it as low as 25, 15%. This was about a year ago. And the, what, what China has done in Hong Kong has really, really uh, been a big factor in this election from what I read and, and the polling I, I have seen from different articles. And her opponent is someone who wants closer relations with China. Uh, the, the way Taiwan kind of works, there's a lot of unspokenness. Um, many people in Taiwan, I think the majority, want an independent nation of Taiwan and China be gone. We're not part of China. The truth is historically, Taiwan is not really, has not always been part of China, has never been part of a unified China in, in the sense that it would be if, if China somehow took it over. And, and then there are the folks who came over with Chiang Kai-shek, who, and not, not all of these folks are responsible, obviously, but Chiang Kai-shek came over from China, having been defeated by Mao, basically took over Taiwan, and ruled, he and his son afterwards, ruled under martial law for four decades. Um, and I don't mean martial law where, gee, sorry, we have to have martial law. We would never really torture or incarcerate or detain or threaten people. No, with all of that. Um, and a really terrible time. And so Taiwan came out of that and is now the only Chinese-speaking area that's ever had a free election um, and, and has initiative and referendum, democratic checks and balances. Uh, I was lucky enough to visit there this year. What a neat place. And, you know, culturally different in all kinds of ways, but bright people, 87% of whom speak English, uh, as well as, as uh, uh, you know, Chinese. And, uh, and some Taiwanese, which are kind of a dialect and so on. But, but it's, a, it's a neat place, and it's a place that is so far ahead of other places in Asia in terms of freedom and democratic processes. 
and uh, and so the idea that we should that they should somehow get closer to China and accept some sort of one China two systems crap is is ridiculous. And this whole year, what's happened in Hong Kong, you know, and and for a lot of it, there was talk about how these are rioters and they're turning the public off, and then. Uh, back in November, they voted in in uh, Hong Kong in local elections, and pro democracy candidates who had never really run for office before took eighty seven percent of the seats. So it just showed how popular the rebellion against uh, Beijing in Hong Kong was. And of course, the people of Taiwan understand, you know, we're likely next. And if we didn't have this 100 miles of Pacific Ocean, the Taiwan Strait between us and mainland China, we probably had already have been taken over. And, uh, and so it's just, it's been a huge issue. I'm hopeful that on Saturday uh, that, that she will be reelected. And, uh, and I think it'll send a message again that, uh, you know, that, that what's right has already been determined. Every Democratic vote has gone against China. Anybody who cares about human rights knows that what they're trying to do is not right. And, uh, and I, I used Friday's commentary to have a little fun with that. And just, uh, it was entitled, Tough Time for Tyrants. And I just kind of wondered out loud, you know, how much guff do these poor leaders of China have to put up with from all these loudmouth, you know, liberty-loving people who are going to complain and complain. Oh, we don't like it that they repress people in Hong Kong. Oh, there's concentration camps. I mean, these are re-education centers. And maybe there's a million or so Uyghurs in those centers. But don't believe the secret documents that have been released that show that there's torture and so on. These are nice, wonderful places and then highlighted uh, what I found to be just a, a, a really interesting story. Um, this guy called the Potter King, and I would tell you his Chinese name, but I'd probably butcher it. So, uh, but he's, he's known as the Potter King, and he's got a huge following in Taiwan. And, you know, he's speaking a language I don't understand, but just seeing it, it looks like fun on the, on the, the video. So the Potter King invites President Chai of Taiwan onto his program. And of course he calls her President Chai because that's her name and that's her position. Oh no, you can't, uh, the Chinese uh, government I suspect, but it was the Chinese company, he, he, YouTube is not allowed in China, it's banned. And so he has half a million YouTube followers and subscribers in uh, Taiwan, but of course they can't, in China they can't see him. But he has this company that is a Chinese company that has been, you know, basically marketing his program in China to a lot of success. Well, they cut him off and they're not gonna let him do anything. And the whole reason being that he should have known better than to say, President Chai, because to say that would imply that Taiwan is an independent sovereign nation, for heaven's sake. So, 
just it, it is just unbelievable the degree that the rulers of China uh, Z is really is, is becoming more and more a one-man dictator uh, but the 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 butchers of Beijing whether it's butchers or one butcher who's uh, head and shoulders no pun intended uh, above the uh, the rest um, they don't believe well I should put it a different way they do believe that they should be able to silence anyone anywhere and they are using 1.3 billion customers who they control as subjects, slaves in a totalitarian society to not only control their own country in that vicious way, but to dictate what people in the United States say and what people in Australia say and using their, their economic clout and their control over their own population to leverage the rest of the world. And as I have said before, I'm not one of these people who believe, oh, let's just find some enemy somewhere and focus all our attention on them so that America can ride the waves across the world and control everything. I think America has made many mistakes. I don't want America to control the world. I don't want any nation to control the world. But the danger that you see in China to their own people and to their neighbors like Taiwan uh, good people have to stand up. And the idea, you know, I hate to think of, of, you know, such tyranny anywhere, but especially having seen that country and seen just how it's, and it's not just a, a people with some of the videos you see of, of the, some of the campaign ads have been wonderful because they just, she's emphasizing the freedom that they have that we just want our quiet lives of being free. And they show different scenes. And of course, having been there, I've, I've been on some of those streets. It is a vibrant, happy place that, that you just, you know, and, and that's nice to see. Asia needs more places like that. The whole world needs more places like that. And the thought that they could be just stamped out and put into some totalitarian box. You know, that, that's what Hong Kong's fighting. That's what Taiwan's fighting. And as we have the message of this program, that's what we're all fighting. If you think that, I mean, when I think it was Martin Luther King who said an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. It leads to that. If you want to be free in the United States of America, You've got a dog in the fight because you want Taiwan to be free and you want Hong Kong to be free and you want freedom to be expanding to China, not totalitarianism to be coming from China to you. And, and so bless Taiwan. Let's hope that they, uh, they vote in such a way uh, that it's further tough times for the tyrants in Beijing. Do not forget this podcast and video every weekend at SoundCloud and at Stitcher and at thisiscommonsense.com, of course.